All right. Well, we'll be moving on into our Bible lesson. And after the Bible lesson, we'll close with a season of prayer and remember these requests. Uh, last week, uh, we started looking at the pre-flood world. And, um, of course, this is what the period of time that we're looking at right now is uh, several hundred years before the flood. Uh, but we are definitely getting into the generation that led to uh, God destroying the world uh, with a worldwide flood. And the Bible tells us, Jesus himself told us, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be uh, when the Son of Man returns. And so we understand that this is important for us to look at. This is important for us to see what was going on, what was happening in the world in the time uh, before the flood so that we can look at our present day and understand where we're at in regards to the Lord's return. And of course, I don't think we have to study very far before we figure out uh, that we're there. He could return at any time. But we'll be in Genesis 4 uh, and, and Genesis 5 again this evening looking at basically the same passage we looked at last week. Um, and last week as we looked at it, we began looking at the two lines. So there was two ancestral lines the godly line of Seth and the ungodly line of Cain. And we've seen how these two ancestral lines, uh, uh, one stayed faithful to God and one strayed away from God. And we looked at a lot of the characteristics of these ancestral lines and, and seen how that although a large group of people were continually going away from God, there was also a remnant of people who were staying faithful to God. As we looked at those two ancestral lines uh, last week, we took a quick look at two men, Lamech and Enoch. And we showed how that God gave us a, a bird's eye view of these two men. And interestingly enough, these two men were both the seventh from Adam, uh, which goes to show you, if it shows you nothing else, that this book was not written by the whim of some man. This book was written carefully. It was inspired. It has to be from God. And so the seventh from Adam in each line, the Bible gives us more description about that person. The, the one in the line of Cain uh, is Lamech, and the man that is highlighted in the line of Seth uh, is the life of Enoch. And in looking at those two men, we kind of got an idea of where the ancestral lines were headed and how they had developed in, unto that Point. And, and we looked at these two men briefly last week uh, in, in connection with the overall condition of their respective lines. But tonight I want to consider these two men in greater detail and see what applications can be made, uh, what prophecies are found and all types of things are found in the lives of these two men. We probably uh, will still leave uh, some area uncovered, but I'm telling you there's a lot to be seen in the lives of these two men. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the lesson. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, it is good to be in your house. And Lord, I thank you, uh, Lord, for... <clears throat> For each person that has came out, I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless as we look into your word this evening. And, Father, I pray that as we look at the life of Lamech and then we look at the life of Enoch, uh, Father, Lord, that we will see application, uh, Lord, that helps us understand the day that we live in, that helps us understand, uh, Lord, how we can live godly in spite of the wickedness that exists around us. And, Father, I pray that you will help us to learn uh, from this study. And, Father, we'll thank you for it. Bless us now as we go throughout this evening, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I do want to mention, I failed to mention it during prayer requests. Do pray for Michaela. Uh, don't think it's anything terribly serious, but uh, she called Melissa from work today. 
uh, she was running with pretty high fever. She was throwing up, and so Melissa went and picked her up and brought her home, and uh, she's pretty much slept ever since she got home and was still running a pretty good fever when I left to come to church. So just keep Michaela in prayer. Um, I'm praying that she sleeps it off and wakes up in the morning and she's all right, but do remember her. I failed to mention her uh, during the prayer request. So coming back to our lesson here, we're looking at the Lamech versus Enoch, two men who God highlighted who were going completely different de directions during the days of Noah or during the pre-flood world. So Lamech's account is found in Genesis 4, verse 16 down through verse number 24. It says there in verse number 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and he dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. Now this is not the same Enoch who we find in the uh, line of Seth. You find that lots of folks use the same name, just like we do today. It says, And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he built a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mahujiel, and Mahujiel begat Methusiel, and Methusiel begat Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other Zillah. And Adah bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handled the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubalcane, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubalcane was Naamah. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adah and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Something I just point out to you here, we're not going to talk about it in the lesson, just something neat to notice uh, is uh, verse 23 and 24. You don't see it as much in English. Uh, but if you look at it in the original language, this is actually the first poetry that is ever recorded in the Word of God is uh, verse 23 and 24. Uh, it is a part of a poem. Most people believe when you look at it uh, in the original, you can see the poetic flow, and it's the first poetry that was ever written. So a neat little thing to realize here is that although Lamech, as wicked as he was, uh, was a gifted, intelligent man. He was, a, he was a poet, had the ability to put words into verse, and the application you can make from that is just because somebody's intelligent or someone's gifted or somebody has a skill doesn't mean that the hand of God is upon them. But uh, just interesting to note that. Uh, not going to make any other application to that except that most folks believe that's the first poetry that's found in the Word of God. So I want us to notice three characteristics of Lamech's character which are described in this passage. The first thing I see is some things that Lamech's life was marked by, some things that marked his life. The first thing I see that marked Lamech's life was a heathen society, a heathen society. In Genesis 4 and verse number 17, we see that Cain knew his wife and he bare Enoch. And then in verse number uh, 18, we see that Enoch bare Arad. Arad beget Mahujiel. Mahujiel beget Methusiel. And Methusiel beget Lamech. Now let's just take a moment and consider the circumstances surrounding the life of Lamech. So first of all, we see that Lamech is the great, great, great grandson of Cain. So you count that back. He is the great, great, great grandson of Cain. Now if you remember from our previous study, 
Cain was sent out from the presence of the Lord. Cain wandered across the earth. Cain finally settled in the land of Nod. He had a son there in the land of Nod. He built a city. He named the city after his son Enoch. And we see that, the, that he began to build an empire. Cain began building an empire here in the land of Nod. And we see that the children of Cain married. They bore children. Uh, and with their long lifespans, their extended childbearing years, uh, and the multiplicity of children, the land was quickly filled uh, there in the land of Nod. Matter of fact... <clears throat> By the time Lamech was born, we are uh, several generations in, and with a little bit of math, you can see that the population of the land of Nod could have easily been in the tens of thousands by the time that Lamech was born. With the long life, with multiple children, it had been very easy for the population of the land of Nod to have been in the tens of thousands. And uh, we see here that not only was the land filled with many people, but these are all the descendants of Cain. These are all descendants of the man who went out from the presence of the Lord. These are all descendants of the man who brought the wrong offering and God said, I'll give you a chance to repent, and he said no. These are all his descendants. They've moved away from the godly influence of Adam. They are being raised under the influence of Cain. We look at this, and as I said, it could have been tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people uh, who lived their lives with no consideration of God. None whatsoever. Many times we look at cultures around the world and we want to ask the question, how could God kill those innocent people? Well, the truth of the matter is they're not innocent people, but they are descendants of someone who at some point in time rejected God and their rejection has carried over into their children and their children's children. And so that's what we see going on right here is tens of thousands of people who lived their lives with no consideration of God at all. This was a group of people who felt they had risen above the religion of Adam. Now, remember that Adam would have most likely still been alive at this time. Whenever we follow the chronological timelines as best we can, it appears that Adam died during Lamech's lifetime, that that is when Adam would have passed away, was during Lamech's lifetime. But although Adam was still there, Adam could have told them about God, he could have told them about the creation, he could have been a witness to them. They had separated themselves and they had lived their entire life void of any influence from God. They had established themselves on the earth. They had built enormous structures. They had developed tools and technologies. And they had done it all without God. Now, as we look at this culture that Lamech grew up in, compare it to the culture we live in now, and it'll help us to understand the mindset of the world that we live in. These people had lived five generations five generations without God. Five generations they had multiplied to thousands and thousands of people. Five generations they had built cities. They had developed technology. They had designed tools. These people had established themselves as a formidable force on the earth and they had did every bit of it without God. Whenever you begin to think about that, you can see that although they knew God existed, this, this group of people did know that God existed, 
I mean, they're descendants of Adam, and Adam's still kicking around somewhere on the earth, and they're descendants of Cain, who most likely they would have known why Cain was separated, but Cain would have colored his story. Nobody ever likes to make themselves look bad. So when Cain told his descendants about what happened, it wasn't, I disobeyed God and God expelled me. No, when Cain told the story, God was unfair. God was unjust. God was cruel. God had rules that don't make any sense. God wanted me to bring a lamb instead of vegetables. God is foolish. This is the way that Cain presented God. They knew that God existed. But at this point in culture, this group of people, although they knew about God, they seen him as unfair. They seen him as unjust. They seen him as someone who had mistreated their forefathers. And because of their success, they seen him as someone they did not need. Now, boy, I'm telling you what, when I began to look at who this culture was and how they would have operated, and I began to look at our culture, boy, it kind of brought, turned a light bulb on. I mean, we live in a culture that says we have accomplished everything we've accomplished without God. And many of the things that they hear and understand about God comes from people who have sinned against God and received judgment. And instead of being honest and saying, I disobeyed God and that's why I suffered this, they talk about God like God did them wrong. And we live in a culture of people who have no interest in God. You hear people make statements as they say people who would follow God are people who need a crutch. I don't need a crutch. The why, why do they say that? Because they say, look at all that we did without God. Why would we go back to serving someone who is going to limit us? We are free. We've got the world at our fingertips. We can do whatever we want. Why would we return? This is the culture that Lamech grew up in. This is the culture that surrounded him. This is the people that he knew. This is the mindset that he knew. This is what was pumped into his mind. We don't need God. God has never done us any favors. Whenever we, in a little bit, we look at Enoch, you'll find out that Enoch and his people lived more of a simple life. I can imagine that Lamech and the people of that day often made fun of the simple life that Enoch lived. They, they're not experiencing everything we're experiencing. They're not, they're not able to have everything that we have. Look, look at the difference. We see here that these people, they seen themselves uh, as self-sufficient. They seen themselves as self-sustaining. They saw themselves as successful. Um, they, they felt no need to do what they would have seen as reverting back to a life of restraint and submission. According to what Cain had told them, whenever he was dealing with God, God was unfair. God only wanted what he wanted. Why would they ever go back to something back like that? They were free to do as they pleased, had no interest in God. Growing up in this godless environment resulted in Lamech living according to humanistic reasoning. So when we look at some things that marked Lamech's life, first we see that it was a heathen society. Another thing that marked Lamech's life was humanistic reasoning. In verse number 19, we see, and Lamech took unto him two wives, and we've mentioned this several times, uh, that Lamech was the first one uh, in, that's recorded in the Word of God uh, to violate God's law concerning multiple wives. We do not know if Lamech was the first one to do it. We just know that whenever God gave us a glimpse 
into how this society was developing that one of the key things we see about Lamech was that he took two wives. Not only do we see that he took two wives, but also in verse number 23, it says, And Lamech said unto his wives, Adah and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. So not only uh, was Lamech a, a polygamist, but also Lamech was a murderer. This is who he was. And he... he he became what he was because he grew up in a society that rejected God. And when you reject God, you re reject a moral foundation. And whenever you reject a moral foundation, you become your own moral balance. You, you are the one that determines what's right and what's wrong within yourself. It's as we read in the book of Kings that in that day there was no king of the land and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Whenever you take God out of the picture and man begins to think on his own, man still has an inner conscience that wants to define right and wrong. But we have taken God out as who decides right and wrong, and we leave that up to ourselves, and so we begin to decide what is right and wrong. When we read there in verse number 23, Lamech is justifying himself for the murder that he committed. He has determined that it was right for him to commit murder. So we see here that what happened is because of the culture he grew up in, he now bases all of his actions on humanistic reasoning and his humanistic reasoning says there's nothing wrong with me having multiple wives. His humanistic reasoning said there's nothing wrong with me taking someone's life because he has taken God out of the picture. And whenever we look at our country, especially in the last few years, our country has said we don't need God in the picture anymore. They've taken God out of the picture and we look at laws that are being passed. And I don't know about you, but I will read legislature and I'll read bills that are on the table and I'll be like, who writes this stuff? Who comes up with this? Where, where is their mind? I mean... I can't even process it, to, let alone uh, justify it or accept it. I can't even process how a person's mind would work to even come up with these ideas. The problem is they've grew up, as much as we don't like to admit this, they've grew up in a culture without God. They've grew up in a culture that says we don't need God. They've grew up in a culture that says we're successful without God. Why would we consider what God has to say? They take God out of the picture and they begin basing everything on their own humanistic reasoning. Oftentimes I will look at different groups that operate without God. And it, although it, it's very sad, but if you move past the sadness of it, it is humorous at how the groups uh, bicker amongst themselves because this one thinks this is okay, but this is not. And this one thinks this is okay, but this is not. And they fight with each other, and neither of them are anywhere near right, if you look in the Word of God. But they're bickering with each other constantly. The problem is, when you take out God, you've taken out the moral foundation. And when you take out the moral foundation, there is nothing left. Whenever Lamech came along, God's law said one man and one woman. But Lamech didn't consult God's law. I remember reading the legislature that's going to be put into effect in our schools this fall, 30-page piece of legislature. 
And I read that and I'm like, how? How do they even come up with this? Where are their minds at? And then I looked at the people who was responsible for uh, contributing to this piece of legislature. And they're all uh, very highly educated people with all types of degrees after their names. I'm like, how? Well, the, the, the how, the answer, is they didn't consult God's law. They never even considered God as being something they needed to think about. Lamech uh, didn't consult God's law. Uh, God honored human life. Lamech disregarded it because he didn't consider God's law. Lamech ignored the morality of God in the pursuit of his own self-righteousness. Lamech didn't govern his life according to God's law. Lamech's whole life had been surrounded by a society that ignored the law of God. And so Lamech said, that's the way I'll live my life as well. We look at Lamech and we say, wow, what a wicked, wicked man Lamech was. And indeed he was. But the reason he was so wicked is he was five generations into a culture that ignored God. And when we look at our country, we are several generations into a country that's ignoring God. We see that Lamech, the way that Lamech thought was humanistic reasoning at its best. Lamech would have reasoned that only taking one wife was another one of those unnecessary limitations that God put into his law for his own amusement. You find people that have lived life outside of the influence of God and you will find that that is exactly how they view the law of God. Why would he put that in the Bible? There's no reason for that. He just does that because he wants to tell us what to do. But in truth, we understand, those of us who believe the word of God, that everything he put in there, he put in there for our benefit. And if they would take a little bit of time and look at how their lives are turning out uh, and the repercussions that they're dealing with, they would realize that if they would follow the law of God, they would avoid a lot of that. Whenever Lamech looked at two wives, he didn't consider the law of God and God establishing this otherwise. He saw this as being beneficial. Well, this, this meant everything that Lamech wanted. Two wives would bring physical gratification, lust of the flesh and the lust of eyes. Two wives would expand his empire. This was a time when populating the earth was a big time. Two wives, twice as many kids. This is the pride of life. You know what? Whenever you look at the devil's tricks, he always uses the same three tricks. Always, over and over and over. But humanistic reasoning is always based on those three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. This is how it works. This is what Lamech was running by. We see in verses 23 and 24 that his humanistic reasoning, according to what we know, like I said, he may have not been the first person to have multiple wives, but from what we know he was. He may have not been the uh, second person to take a life, but from what we know he was. And if he was indeed the first polygamist and the, the second murderer following his great-great-great-grandfather Cain, then although he lived in a wicked generation, Lamech was pushing the boundaries. And you know what you see that in culture all the time. People will disregard God, but then they will establish their own morality. And they'll say, now I don't believe what the Bible says, but I believe this. 
This is what I believe. If you remember the video we watched several uh, a couple months ago uh, where the preacher was interviewing evolutionists and the, the evolutionists would say, well, I think that's wrong. And he's on what basis do you think it's wrong? But people will establish a morality. Okay, the Bible, I am not that strict, but this is where I draw the line. And then somebody will come along and they'll push that boundary because there's nothing restraining them from pushing that boundary. And whenever you try to, to rebut them and like, whoa, 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 that's going too far, they can continue to push their agenda because we're basing this on self and pride is the motivator. And we see that's exactly another thing that marked Lamech's life was a haughty attitude. When we look there in verses 23 and 24, we see, and Lamech said unto his wife, Sadah and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Lamech defended his lifestyle with a haughty attitude. I challenge you, if you don't believe this is true, find someone who is living a wicked lifestyle. Find someone who knows they're in disobedience to the word of God, living a wicked lifestyle, ask them about it, and see if that old spirit of pride isn't the first thing that crops up. They defend it with a haughty attitude. This is what marked Lamech. He grew up in a heathen society. He governed his life with humanistic reasoning. He defended his decisions with a haughty attitude. As we said, as we said a little bit ago, Jesus clearly stated, that the end times would be the same as it was in the days of Noah. And in Lamech, I see a word picture that I believe describes our society to a T. We are in the days of Noah. There's no question about it. Whenever we consider the condition of our world, we look at Lamech, we consider the condition of our world, we see the similarities, then we come up with the question, and I even hear well-intentioned people make statements such as, well, I don't think you should have kids in this day and time. I mean, it's so wicked. I don't, I, don't believe you can, I don't believe you can live godly. I don't believe how are you supposed to live for the Lord in this kind of generation. And, and we almost feel like it's so wicked to a point that the only way we can survive is to, is to just, you know, fade out of the picture. But that's why I brought Enoch into this same lesson. We've got Lamech versus Enoch. Enoch is the great, great, great grandson of Seth. Same spot in the generational timeline as Lamech. But Enoch is a completely different story. Completely different guy, completely different story. But I do want to point out that Enoch's life was marked by the same degenerating surroundings. Here we have Lamech Lamech is a wicked man and he's wicked because of the culture he grew up in. But we have Enoch who lives in exactly the same time period, yet we see that Enoch is one of the most godly men recorded in the Word of God. Matter of fact, he is one of only two men who was taken to heaven without death because of his godliness. Enoch was someone who was extremely close to God. But Enoch's life was marked by some things that stood out. The first thing that his life was marked by was his degenerating surroundings. Because Enoch and Lamech were, Lamech were contemporaries, 
And although the godly line of Seth had not yet given in to the degenerate behavior of their cousins, the world that they lived in was quickly becoming filled with wickedness. Now Enoch and his family, they didn't live that lifestyle. But the world that they lived in was full of it. Now we could just stop right there and preach a whole message. Because just because the world that we live in is full of it doesn't mean that we have to partake of it. Although Enoch and his family didn't yield to it, they were exposed to it. Although they rejected it, they couldn't avoid being affected by it. It was all through the world that they lived in. But they did not become victim to it like Lamech did. Why? Because they rose above it. Enoch understood that he, although he was in this world, he was not of this world. And you know what? A lot of times Christians get mixed up there. And they think that because we're in this world, uh, we have to partake of this world. Let me, let me remind you, friend, we don't have to partake of anything this world has to offer. All we have to do is make sure that our eternity is secure. The world puts all the emphasis on our earthly lifespan. God puts all his emphasis on our eternity. Enoch was able to live victorious. Why? Because although he was in the world, he didn't take part of the world. And boy, I'm telling you what, as Christians, we need to understand that just because we're in the world doesn't mean that we have to be like the world. It doesn't mean we have to conform to the world. The Bible says we're to be as pilgrims. The Bible says we're to appear as strangers. Uh, we're to look like people who are passing through a foreign land. That's how we're supposed to look. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. That's how you make it in a wicked world, is you don't conform to the world. So we see, though, that Enoch's life was marked by degenerating surroundings. So uh, Enoch didn't have uh, necessarily a better world to live in. He just had a better mindset about the world that he lived in. Not only was his uh, life marked by the degenerating surroundings, but I see that Enoch's life was also marked by a delivering grace. A delivering grace. It says in verse number 21 of Genesis chapter number 5, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. Now, I don't know exactly when uh, Enoch became a believer in this small uh, description that we have here. It seems that something may have occurred uh, around the birth of Methuselah. I don't know. Uh, it also, because last week we looked at the fact that Methuselah's name had a prophecy in it, it also seems uh, that Enoch could have very well uh, been a prophet before Methuselah was born. So when uh, Enoch began to follow the Lord uh, himself in his personal walk, we're not sure. But one thing that we are completely sure of is that Enoch walked with God. No question about it. Enoch was a man who walked with God. Now, if I could just interject here, Enoch lived in a godly line. He was a descendant of Seth. The descendants of Seth up to this point were still godly people. And so as a whole, it was a godly family that Enoch was a part of. However, the whole line of Seth didn't get raptured out. Just Enoch did. 
What is the point that I'm trying to make? You may be in a godly family, but you are responsible to have a personal walk with God. Just being part of a godly family doesn't secure your eternity, but a personal walk with God secures your eternity. What made Enoch so different is Enoch took part. Uh, he took advantage of the grace that God offers. He took advantage of that delivering grace that God offers. Uh, and Enoch uh, began to walk with God. We see another thing that marked Enoch's life. Not only did we see the delivering grace that began his walk with God, but we see that his life was marked by that devoted walk. You know what? There are some people that you meet and although only God knows the heart of every man, you don't have much doubt. That person knows God. There's, there's not a lot of question. That person walks with God. There is something about their life that just is evident. This person knows who God is. There are others who may claim to know God, that may claim Christianity, but when you watch their life, there's no evidence. There's no, there's no sign that they are walking with God. I remember my dad and I, I was a, a young adult at the time. My dad and I had went somewhere uh, to get something in his truck. And uh, it was a Ford truck, by the way, just so you all know that later on in the story. And uh, we were coming back uh, from where we went, and we started up an incline, and uh, the Engine threw a rod, blew the engine up right there on that hillside, started making all kind of racket, broke down. So Dad kind of coasted it off the side of the hill into a driveway. Way back the driveway was a little old run-down house. So we walked down the driveway to that little run-down house and knocked on the door. And somebody said, come in. We opened the door. And sitting on the couch was a little elderly lady, not big as anything. And on her lap was a Bible. I declare it was bigger than this one because she needed that big print. She looked up and said, can I help you, young man? I'm just spending a little time in the Word. You know what? I didn't have to ask her if she knew the Lord or not. It was pretty evident. This lady knew the Lord. And, uh, of course, Dad borrowed her phone. We got Mom to come pick us up. And we got to where we'd go back and visit with the lady and, and became good friends with her. And then later she was put in a nursing home and I was a young preacher and was preaching in the nursing home. And, uh, I mean, boy... She was the best encouragement for a young preacher because I'd be up there preaching. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying. And she'd, she'd say, preacher, 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 hold on just a minute. And then she'd go ahead and preach for 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, that, there was no question. This was a lady who had walked with the Lord. She knew the Lord. She was close to the Lord. She had that devoted walk. You know what? A lot of times the devil will jump on her shoulder and he'll tell us, look, 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 you, you don't have to be that sold out. Look, 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 you, you don't have to go that far. Come on. You can, you can let up a little bit, but if you want to rise above when you're get, living in a godless society, you've got to have that devoted walk. It's God first. It's Jesus first. I'm, putting, I'm making time to make sure that I'm spending time with God. Enoch, his life was marked by that devoted walk. It says, and Enoch walked with God 300 years. I'm telling you what, this was a man who was faithful in his service to the Lord. And then the last thing that I want to point out to you this evening that marked Enoch's life was a divine rapture. A divine rapture. It says in verse number 24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, that's just one of the most wonderful verses in the whole Bible. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, 
for God took him. God said, you know what, Enoch? Why don't you just come on up here? I so enjoy spending time with you. Why don't you just come on up here and be with me? Enoch was walking with God and God said, come up hither. Be up here with me. I'm telling you what, it was a divine rapture. Now, we only have one other instance of this happening. Of course, that's when Elijah was taken up in the fiery chariot and the Lord took uh, Elijah up. These two men uh, escaped death. Now, there's no way to to verify this at all, but many folks uh, think that in the book of Revelation, when you read about the two witnesses uh, that come back to the earth, uh, that those two witnesses will be Enoch and Elijah because they uh, escaped death. There's nothing in the Bible to verify that, but it does seem like a reasonable thing to consider. Um, but Enoch was taken. Now, something I want to point out to you here, just something that's interesting, is the Bible is full of little nuggets that help us understand the entire picture of the Word of God. And even right here in Genesis chapter number 5, we have a picture of the rapture of the church. You see, the flood was coming when God was going to destroy the whole earth. The, the, the flood's coming. And before the flood happened, God raptured those that was walking with him out of the world. Now that is a perfect picture that there's coming a day when God is going to judge the world because of its sin. But before that happens, he's going to rapture the church. Now there are some folks who want to teach that the church goes through the tribulation and there's all kinds of things we could get into in prophecy and stuff. But just to give you a, a picture, Enoch is a picture of the church. Enoch is a picture of someone who was walking with God in a godless society. This is the, as the days of Noah, so shall it be in the, at the coming of the Son of Man. So in the day that we live, we live in a godless society. The church is the people who are walking with God in spite of the godless society. And before judgment falls, the church gets raptured out. You say, but hold on, what about Noah? What about Noah? He didn't get raptured out. Well, there's more prophecy there. We can't get into all the details of it, but if you remember back, I forget, February, March, sometime like that, on a Sunday night we talked about Israel being saved at the end of the tribulation. If you was here that Sunday night, you remember us looking at that. We looked at that, how that at the end of the tribulation Israel will be saved. You see, Israel is the chosen people of God. Israel has rejected Christ. Israel as a nation is going to go through the tribulation. But at the end of the tribulation, they are going to accept Christ as their Savior and then they're going to enter into the millennium and live a thousand years. Whenever we look at this right here, there is prophecy right here in the Word of God. Enoch is a picture of the church being raptured out before the tribulation. Noah is a picture of the nation of Israel going through the tribulation but then beginning life on a new earth after the judgment is complete. And so, boy, I'm telling you what, there's some good stuff. The Bible is full of these pictures. And you just look and God, God didn't throw this together in a hasty means. No, this book is full of the truths of the Word of God and you can look and you can find them. And, of course, there's so much more that we could get into uh, in regards to those prophecies, but we can see there's a picture here. There's a picture, number one, that you can live godly in a godless society. There's also a picture that God's going to rapture the church 
before the tribulation. It's all here. It's all right here in God's Word. So hope you enjoyed that study and continue to look at this. Boy, I tell you what, I'm, I'm enjoying it myself. So I just hope you all enjoy it.